Uh, over the years, I grew up in Fairbanks, going to schools here in town, and I had some pretty good teachers over the years. Um, you remember the good ones. Uh, you remember the ones that, that kind of had an impact on you. And I will say I had a, a fifth grade teacher that was a great teacher, and he had a reputation for keeping young fifth grade boys like myself at that time in line. And he did this by issuing push-ups as a form of discipline for students that needed to be corrected. It was the 90s, and you could get away with stuff like that, okay? I know what you're thinking. If you know me, you're like, Mark, surely you couldn't have been any trouble. You must have been an angel to have in class, and you're such a respectable-ish looking young man right now. Here's what I will tell you. By the end of the school year, I was ripped. (laughs) It's kind of embarrassing to stand in front of a room full of 200 people and tell you that I peaked physically in fifth grade. (laughs) But the facts are the facts, right? Turns out a sarcastic fifth grade boy learning the ropes of humor is the perfect mix for enormous biceps and chiseled pecs, okay? (laughs) He was a really good teacher, uh, and he was was somebody that was really beneficial to me at that stage in my life. But there was one saying that he kept repeating to us throughout the year. He would say it over and over again, and, and he would tell us, it's my way or the highway. He was making the point that that his class was for people and for students that wanted to be in his class. And if you didn't want to do it his way, there were other fifth grade teachers and you were welcome in their class and you might in fact be better off in their class. He was saying, you don't have to be here. If you don't want to play by, by his rules, there was a highway and that highway took you somewhere else to a different class. And if that's you, then go find that highway and go somewhere else. But, but if you want to be here in this class, these are the rules. There's going to be a few push-ups. <laughs> Follow the rules, do the push-ups, and let's get on with it. This morning, we're jumping into to Joshua chapter 23, and it's a, a chapter that occur, occurs near the end of Joshua's life. He has served faithfully the Israelites as their leader for many years and kind of helped lead them into the possession of the promised land. I think it's common uh, for someone as, as you get towards the end of your life, towards the end uh, of your influence, that you want to gather those around you that you care about and share with them the wisdom that you have learned. Maybe if you share it with them, they won't need to make all the mistakes that you made. Maybe if you share it with them, they won't need to do nearly as many push-ups as you did. If you have your Bibles, you want to follow along, Joshua 23 uh, is our passage. Uh, We're going to get this this last kind of going away speech from Joshua. He speaks on God's behalf and and begins to tell uh, the people that it's my way or the highway from God. If you are my people, here is how it's going to go. Joshua loves these people. He cares about these people. He's been their leader for a long time. They've fought battles together. They've buried friends together. You can see there's a worry in his heart for his people. He knows, like all of us, that they are prone to wander. He's witnessed it firsthand. 
Joshua has a, an amazing uh, resume. If you know uh, the Old Testament, you know his story of what he has been through. Joshua is not the new kid on the block. He's seen a lot. He's experienced a lot. Former slave in Egypt, he was led out of Egypt by Moses after witnessing the plagues. He would have been there as they crossed the Red Sea, as the Egyptians pursued behind them. That miracle was not just theoretical, it was practical for him. He would have been at at Mount Sinai as Moses went up there to meet with the Lord and receive the Ten Commandments, but also as a young man, he would have been present as his own people turned their back on Moses and their back on God and quickly moved on and said, well, we got to worship something because Moses and God aren't here. And so they built a golden calf and he got to see his people turn their hearts to that so swiftly. He was a part of the group that scouted out the promised land when they made it there. And he got to see 10 of his other friends that were in there with them say, God's not strong enough to give us this land. We'd better stay safe. So as Joshua gives this speech, he knows that these people are prone to wander. You and I are prone to wander. And he wants nothing more for them than to remain faithful to God as they live in the promised land. He's saying, you're so close. You're near the end. Don't give up now. Don't forget how you got here. Don't forget what it means To be God's chosen people, it's God's way or the highway. So before uh, his time ends, he he gathers around the leaders, uh, those of the nation, and, and he wants to give them this parting speech. Joshua 23, picking up in verse 1. After a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then a very old man, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, I am very old. You yourself have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered. Between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the West, the Lord your God himself will push them out for your sake. He will drive them out before you and you will take possession of their land as the Lord your God promises you. First point uh, this morning is Joshua reminds Israel of God's faithfulness to them. Their job isn't done. They find themselves in in a season of rest, but... Personally, Joshua's season is about to be done, and he knows that. He, he says he's an old man. The, who, whoever recorded these words from Joshua really wanted you to know that he was old. Joshua, by then, a very old man, we're told his goodbye speech starts with, I am very old. And I question, how old do you need to be when that's just your introduction? Hello, I'm Joshua, and I'm old. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> But you get this idea, and I mean, this is me reading into it. This kind of like, hey, whippersnappers, listen up, right? I'm old. That means I'm experienced. I've seen some things. I want you to know this isn't just anybody talking. This is Joshua, the leader of the Israelites that has walked them through some amazing things and has seen God at work in amazing ways, you would be wise to listen up and listen closely. 
If he was saying it to a modern audience, he would say, hey, take out your earbuds, put your phone away, eyes on me. You're going to want to hear this. He wants them to remember that, that what has occurred up to this point was not on the Israelites and their awesomeness. It was not just simply their hard work. He says, you guys didn't take the land because you were bigger and stronger than the people that were in it. There is only one star in this show. And it wasn't Joshua, and it most certainly was not the Israelites. See, God gave them the promised land. He had promised it to them. And God is faithful to his promises. See, God's promises are true. And we can know they're true as we look back and see how they have worked out in history past. He promised to give them the land, and he's, that is just what he did. But, but he emphasizes, Joshua here makes sure that everybody listening knows, God did this. Just listen to, to verse 3 through 5 again. But hear what God did. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I, speaking on behalf of God, have allotted as an inheritance for you all the tribes and lands and nations, the nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the West. The Lord your God himself will push them out for your sake. He will drive them out before you and you will take possession of the land as the Lord your God promised you. Because see, you get the sense that it, it wouldn't be many more years before uh, you could picture a group of Israelites sitting around a campfire and swapping stories of all that they had done to conquer the land. And aren't we impressive? Aren't we so capable? Aren't we deserving? Remember all those people that we were victorious over? Aren't we awesome? And Joshua wants them to, to just nip that in the bud. Before we get too far, let's set the record straight. Let's not get confused about what you did and what God did. And I will tell you, this is a real temptation for, for each of us. When we find ourselves having success, it is easy and far too natural for us to credit ourselves with all of our magnificent qualities that led to our success. I love to give credit to my brilliance, to my hard work, to my determination, to my ability to read the situation well. When things are going good, I'm a genius. <laughs> but it is important to remember in those moments when we aren't finding success, moments when we're scared. Well, what if I'm not smart enough? What if it doesn't matter how hard I work? What if I read the situation wrong? Then what? See, in the good times, in the successes, God can easily become an afterthought. At best, we sort of treat the, the Holy Spirit as like spiritual sidekick that we let come along. And I'm sure he helped out, but I did most of the work, right? But in the hard times... In the real times, when I'm struggling, and I know that I need God. I like to tell people every now and then, uh, you need to do something that scares you. I don't mean everybody should go cliff jumping, but you need to do something where you realize that you are not quite enough on your own. Because man, when I'm scared, I am an excellent prayer. 
Me and God are in constant communication. We're talking all the time. But man, when I'm thriving, look what I did by myself. And Joshua wants to warn the Israelites before they fall into this trap to remember what God had done for them before they allowed themselves to celebrate all their own accomplishments. He goes on to say this in verse six. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. The Lord has driven out before you a great and powerful nations, and to this day no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. But if you turn away and ally yourself with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of these good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. No one has failed. Not one has failed. Uh, Next point, this section, Joshua, encourages obedience in the present because of God's faithfulness. Verse six starts out, be very strong, be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. You ever just sort of assumed that following God would come naturally? Like, that it's easy? I kind of have always figured if Adam and Eve couldn't even get it right, I don't think it's gonna be that easy for us either. He says, be careful to obey not straying to the right or to the left. This isn't just something that happens naturally. Joshua says, and to do so, be very strong. It will take great strength and great effort. One of my favorite uh, illustrations uh, of what it means to sort of have a sin nature within us is to, to describe our sin nature as like driving down the road in a car that is out of alignment car doesn't want to stay in the lane. It wants to go to the left. It wants to go to the right. It wants to drift into the ditch. And I'm not giving you automotive advice, but I think theoretically you can drive a car without proper alignment, but not without constant and ongoing attention. A series of both minor and major corrections at time to keep you in the lane and keep you on your way to your destination without needing a tow from a friend soon. And see, sin has put our hearts out of alignment. And Joshua wants them to know that they aren't going to be able to just put life in cruise control and just sort of go easily to the end. Faithfulness to God, obedience to God was going to take both courage and effort. But it's also going to take knowledge To be careful to obey all that was written in the book of the law, they probably need to know the law. 
They would need to know what was written, what was asked of them, what they had committed to as the covenant people of God. But because of what God has done for them as he walked them in to the land, the only right response was for them in obedience to do what God had told them to do and to obey what had been revealed to them. Now for them, that was the words of Moses, that was the Torah, that was the law. They would have been familiar with that. But the same principle is true for us today as well. Obedience to God is only found through regular interaction with the word of God. Now, we hope that you know that when you come here on a Sunday morning that we're going to crack open the word of God, that we're going to dive into it faithfully and see what the text has to say in its context and challenge it, you with what God has laid in front of you. But you need to be doing that regularly because in order to follow it, I have to know it. I have to be challenged by it. I would just encourage you to, to know that our interaction with the word of God can take a variety of forms, a variety of shapes. I, I don't know at what point sort of the standard um, was, but, but at some point it felt like to me that the bar was like, if you were a good Christian, you had to wake up before the sun, which Fairbanks gets incredibly challenging this type of year. And you had to wake up before the sun and read your Bible and have your quiet time and pray to God. And then you could go on with your day. Now, for some of you, that is absolutely true, and what a beautiful habit that you have built into your life. You wake up bright and early, you put on some type A coffee, and you go on about the rest of your day, right? But if the only time that a committed Christian reads their Bible is first thing in the morning, I'm scared I might be an atheist, okay? <laughs> I've got the night shift covered, that's when I'm awake and alert, and you type A people are in bed by 9.30, so if somebody needs to pray at 11.45 at night, I'm your guy. I mean, we can do this more than one way. Whatever the time of day, whenever it is that you engage with it, we are to be careful to obey what is written down for us, for us to follow. Now, Moses gave instructions to, his, uh, to the people in Deuteronomy 6. This is what he told them. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, which implies that maybe in the evening, uh, and when you get up, which there you go for you morning folk, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads and write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. He challenges them regularly interact with the word of God. He doesn't just give one way. For, for me, uh, one that's been good for me is listening to the audio Bible and hearing the word of God and just letting somebody read it to me uh, at times. Uh, others of you, I know you love theologically rich worship and you just have it on when you're driving and have it on at home and those truths are just sort of being baked into your minds to recall later. Uh, for me, I, I'm a podcast guy. I love taking my dog for a walk and I put in a podcast and there's tons of great Christian podcasts out there that, that, that confront me with the word of God and help me think through what does it look like to live as a follower of Jesus in the world that we find ourselves in. But if we have a little understanding of the contents of the Bible, we will find little success as we try to obey it. And whatever it looks like, it's a purposeful process to engage regularly with the word of God. And so that I can do it the way that Joshua tells us, be very strong, be careful to obey 
all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning to the right or to the left. And Joshua warns them about the the company that they keep as they are taking the promised land. And and there have been some that have leveled accusations against the scriptures as being a xenophobic book, a, a fear of that which is foreign, a fear of those that are outsiders or different. I think to come to that conclusion, you have to cherry pick some verses uh, out of context and miss the greater story that God is telling. As we hear from Joshua, we know that, that, that he's addressing the Israelites in this situation. He's addressing God's people, people that were in a covenant, a contract with God to be his people. And to do that, they agreed to live certain ways. Because of that promise, They had to be wise with their associations. See, it was hard enough, and we talked about this with a a sin nature, it's hard enough to follow God's way, but how much harder would it have been for them if they now enter into marriages with people that are not a part of the same covenant, the same contract, that worship different gods than them? And, and, And now, if it was hard before, oh, it is really hard now. Now, we see lots of of instances throughout Scripture where Christian love is to go beyond ethnic cultures and and boundaries, right? It is not just to love our own. It is to love the world and to love the lost. Jesus' example where he teaches people how to love your neighbor, he picks the most hated people group and says, love them. Love them. We see stories, if you know the story of Ruth and Boaz, where uh, cultural barriers are overcome and aliens are, uh, and strangers are cared for like their own. And we see God's provision to people outside of the nation of Israel. But in this situation, at this time, to this group of people, Joshua is warning them about the danger posed by people outside of their covenant. He says, what matters most is faithfulness to God and not allowing oneself to casually drift drift into situations that will put that at risk. Joshua wants them so desperately to finish what they've started, to take the land. And I don't know if you've ever met anyone uh, like this that was like two credits away from graduating and they dropped out. And you're just like, oh, like you're so close. Just go a little bit further, and then you can take a break. And there are times and reasons, and you know, I'm not, there are times where that might be the right outcome, but for those of us to see somebody that works so hard towards a goal and to be so close to the finish line and then just fall short and stop is, is heartbreaking. Joshua worries about that for the people of Israel. You guys are so close. You've almost taken the land. Please be faithful to God and finish what you've started. He gives uh, an awesome encouragement here uh, in verse 14. Uh, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Uh, You know that with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. See, God's faithfulness to past promises kept is supposed to motivate us to trust in his promises to us. So we've seen how he has fulfilled them before. 
Now, there are temptations, and maybe you'll hear uh, other, I'd say, theologically inaccurate teachers and preachers that, that grab promises out of the scriptures and say, oh, this is for you too. And, and we begin to sort of build a, 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 a scaffolding of promises that aren't really for us. But there are many things that scripture has promised to us. And, and I think this verse, verse 14, is an encouragement to hold on to those. Be reminded of God's faithfulness going forward. So a question for you, what are some of the promises of God that you hold on to? We could go around the room. You guys would have different ones. It would be cool to hear. Uh, A couple that that came to my mind, I just jotted uh, down in here. Psalm 139, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's true about me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And and in a world that that is teaching us that, well, you weren't born right, so we've got to try to fix it, to know the biblical truth that I am fearfully and wonderfully made uniquely by my God for his purposes, that's a beautiful promise for me to hold on to. Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will carry it on until completion in the day of Christ. Because I'm not a finished product. And I stumble and I trip and I do things that I wish that I wouldn't. And so to know that, that God who has begun a work in me through his Holy Spirit is continuing to work on me and I'm not there yet. Oh, I love that promise. He's still working on me. Praise the Lord. We could go, I, we, we could just keep doing this on and on, but, but we are reminded from Joshua that those promises are rooted in God's faithfulness in the past, and that leads to our obedience in the present. What a beautiful truth. What an encouraging truth. One commentator said, as we turn the page here, we go from verse 14 to verse 15. Wouldn't it be sweet if it just stopped? Because we're about to look at verse 15 and 16, and 1 through 14 makes a really encouraging sermon. Verse 15 and 16, Joshua deals with a harsh reality. It says this, but just as all good things the Lord has promised you have come to you, so he will bring on you all the evil things he has threatened until the Lord your God has destroyed you from this good land he has given you. If you violate the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, the Lord's anger will burn against you and you will quickly perish from the good land he has given you. See the temptation to stop in scripture when it gets to the hard parts? We want to teach you the full truth of the word of God. Joshua warns them uh, about their unfaithfulness to God and the consequences of it. Uh, Quoting here uh, from a guy named David Firth, a commentator that I was reading this week, he said this, if God's promises of blessing are certain, his warnings of punishment for disobedience are every bit as certain. So when we claim today that all God's promises for us in Scripture are true, we need to remember in full what that means. We need to remember that the faithfulness of God is a double-edged sword. For just as he faithfully brought about every good word that he has spoken, so also he will bring about every disciplining word. God is consistent in what he has promised he will do, both for blessing and for punishment. A couple weeks back, uh, Pastor Eric brought it up with, uh, with us, this uh, idea where, where you, maybe you'll talk with somebody and they say, oh, that was a, a God thing. And those certainly God things do occur in our lives. But 
We almost always point to awesome things that happen and good things that happen and things that benefit me that happen, and those are God things. We are only reading half of the scripture if we only let God work through good things, if God is handcuffed to only do things that bring me joy. Because see, God also works through things that are hard for us and hard on us. See, the Israelites, they're wrestling with, if God is truly in control, their abandonment of the covenant, the promises that they have made come with very real outcomes of discipline and punishment and removal from the promised land. If you continue on in Joshua, and I I would invite you this week to read Joshua chapter four, it's it's kind of a similar going away speech from Joshua, but but if you look at it, it almost looks like he's going over the fine print of the the contract with the Israelites. Uh, And and he's asking them, like, are you guys sure you want to be the covenant people of God? Do you know what that means? And it it made me think back to, uh, as a, uh, a young family, we were buying our first home and we walk into the, you know, the title company so excited and they stack in front of you this like 300 pages of documents and you're like, oh, okay. And so you start signing and then signing and they start telling you like, yeah, and if you default on this, then you'll get sued. And if you do this, then we'll come and, you know, there'll be this. And, you know, you're on your 87th signature and you're like, I don't know if I'm excited anymore. I'm terrified. I don't know if I want to sign this contract. I'm under the table crying and my wife's up there comforting me and we got through it all right eventually, but... But Joshua is reminding the people about their contract with the Lord, the covenant that they have committed to. Because see, covenants aren't just for when things go well. In fact, covenants that we enter into are often there to guide us and navigate us when things don't go well. Because see, in a marriage, we bring a bride and a groom up and they pledge a covenant for better and for worse. Because it's really easy to keep the covenant in the better. And it's much harder in the worse. So Joshua is doing this with the Israelites. Remember your covenant. It's beautiful, but it's dangerous. It sounds a lot like God. Now, what are we to do with this passage? Uh, This is not quite apples to apples as I look at at the covenant, as I look at the law. I am not uh, under the law. I I, I have been set free by the work of Jesus. Um, I love Paul's encouragement in Galatians. He loves freedom so much. He says, it is for freedom you have been set free. Like, free. We are free from this covenant. I'm not under the law. I'm not set up for the same consequence uh, of breaking it. I will not be exiled out of Fairbanks. If I struggle to keep the covenant, I'm not too worried that Canada is going to attack us and exile me to Manitoba. That's not where I think this is going. Now, maybe there are times when it's January in Fairbanks and I'm thinking like, oh man, if I'm under the covenant, I could just sin a little bit and God will kick me out of Alaska. Oh, bummer. How will I come up with ways? Oh, I bet I can. Okay. <laughs> but I'm not under that covenant. That's, that, that's, that's not the situation. I, I'm not worried. You know, I've signed for my house. I plan to stay there for a little while. Uh, I, that's not what I'm worried about. But while I am not under the covenant or the contract... 
God's correction and discipline in my life is just as real. See, if I start worshiping other gods, if I start worshiping, as very common nowadays, myself, or if I start worshiping money, or I start worshiping any sorts of things, my disobedience to God is no less problematic. My unfaithfulness to God is, is, is no less of a problem. And I don't have to read very far in Scripture to find pages that tell me that God lovingly corrects those that he loves. And he will not, and he does not allow me to stay in my sin as a child of God. And as one of his children, while I I don't want it, I I don't love it, I recognize that God's discipline and God's correction are, are loving acts of care from a loving father that wants to steer me towards that which is best and where my misaligned heart leads me isn't it. This passage asks us today, Where are our hearts at? Where are our loyalties at? Do our loyalties reflect the promises that God has made to us? Because see, if I'm I'm a New Testament believer, if I'm not under the law, but but I still have, have pledged to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, how am I doing in that? I'm not going to get kicked out of Alaska, most likely, but am I living up to what I told God that I have done because he sure has lived up faithfully to what he has promised to have done? And do I recognize that God's discipline for us is an active part of his love for us? And where are we inviting in to our lives his discipline through acts of reckless disobedience? See, Joshua invited those that were there, those that were, were listening to, to just rehearse the story in their mind and in their heart of what God had done on their behalf. And to look at God's unquestionable goodness and faithfulness and to respond in kind through hard work and effort with obedience to the word of God that demonstrates a faithfulness in response to his faithfulness. Joshua gives them the, it's my way or the highway speech from God and appeals to them to follow the path that God has laid out for them because it will be so much better than the path that they find by themselves. Joshua challenges their loyalties, their loves, their faithfulness. And he says, place your loyalty and your love in the one that has been and will continue to be faithful to you. Amen? Let me pray. Lord, thank you for uh, this passage from Scripture. May we hear it as we need to. Lord, may we be encouraged by your faithfulness. May we be reminded of our response and and obedience that is asked of us because uh, we are your people, we are your children. Heavenly Father, may we have uh, an appropriate respect for your need at times to discipline us and correct us. May we know that it is not a power-hungry God gone mad, but a loving Father who wants to see his children find that which is best for them. God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your promises that we can hold on to. Because throughout this room, there are all sorts of things going on, and life on a broken earth is complicated. We need your promises. We need your faithfulness to hold on to. We are thankful for this in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.